is really challenging but quite simple. It's that if we were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? And I think that's what this whole series is about, is in, are we, how, why is it so hard to live as if we actually believe in Jesus? Yes. And so, um, so I'm going to be speaking this morning, opening up Jesus' words about worry, and um, Alma's going to read that to us first. Thanks, Betty. We'll hear from you later. The reading is taken from Matthew 6. 25 to 34. Do not worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the field, flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or... What should we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> May the words of my heart and the meditations of my mind be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So... There's no doubt that we are living in an anxious world. Although most of us here are at least comfortable most of the time, we worry about our jobs, our pensions, our children, our grandkids. We worry about what the neighbours think, what the boss thinks, what our fans and friends friends and family might think of who we are and what we do. And if you're a teenager or you live with teenagers, you'll know how easy it is to become overwhelmed by the fear that everyone is looking at you, that everyone is judging you. It doesn't only happen to teenagers, but it's more obvious in them because they've not let, yet learned how to hide it the way the rest of us do. 
And on top of that, this past year, nearly 18 months, we've had the global anxiety of the pandemic, which has been driving our own personal worries. Will I get sick? What about my family? Will I ever be able to see them, hug them again? Am I breaking the rules? What are the rules today anyway? So many things just rushing around in our heads. It's no wonder that the medics are describing an epidemic of sleeplessness. So what's a Christian to do? What does Jesus actually say about worry? I picked this passage from the Sermon on the Mount because it's the classic text on worry. But there are others, and I will refer to one or two of them along the way. But first, I'd just like to step back a few verses from this text. Matthew writes at the beginning of verse 25 that we heard from Alma, therefore, I tell you. So he's making a direct link back to what Jesus said, has already said to us, which is that we have choices about the way that we live, choices to make. So in verses 19 to 20, he speaks about treasure and asks, where do we store our treasure? Is it in earth where it might be corrupted or destroyed? Or is it in heaven where it's safe? He then goes on to speak about what we are choosing to look at. Are we looking at things of light or of darkness? What are we letting into our souls through our eyes? And then in verse 24, he says, we've all heard this, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and the world or God and money. So as we go into this passage this morning, we've heard from Jesus that he's given us three choices of how we live. And in each of those, it's really clear what a Christian should choose. To store our treasure in heaven, to allow things of light into our soul by being careful about we, what we look at, and to serve God with all our hearts. And Jesus then goes on to say, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. I actually really like the way the message translation reads in this section. It says, if you decide for God, that's about making those choices, to live a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in the latest fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach more to your outer appearance than the clothes that you hang on your body. Now, the Greek word that Matthew uses here for life is psyche, and it means the whole of life, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. It means yesterday, today, and into the future. It's something of a sense of wholeness, wholeness that is inextricably linked with the life we're actually living, but goes far beyond it. 
And that's where worry is a challenge. We can be so consumed by worry that it's detrimental to our health and well-being. And Jesus said, can any of us by worrying add a single hour to our lives? In the message translation it says, has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror got, ever got taller by even so much as an inch? But it's really worse than that, isn't it? Because worry eats away at our hearts. It consumes our time, our energy, our health. We can be addicted to it, and we are never, ever better for it. Sometimes we can find that we hide acknowledging anxiety and worry by using other words. We might say, I'm concerned about, or we might say, I carry a burden for, or I have a lot on my mind, but it's all the same thing. It's an obsessive, anxious care for the things of the world. And that's what Jesus is getting at in this section about, of the Sermon on the Mount. It's that obsessive, anxious care that he's commanding us, do not worry. I read quite a lot of um, stuff in preparation for this week, and they all the commentators are really clear about that. This is a command from Jesus. Do not worry. Worry is a sin. If we have made those right choices of how we follow Jesus, how we live for God, then we must not worry. But still we do, don't we? Still we do. I was struck by the idea of worry as having been ingrained in our heads at the original fall. In Genesis, we read that the first thing that Adam and Eve do after they've eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is to hide because they are worried about what God will think of them because they're naked. Day one of the human predilection for anxiety and worry. So, I've been fortunate in life. We've had good jobs, we've had good health, we've had no major family worries, and we've enough put by that we should be able to be comfortable in our senior years. So what could I possibly have to worry about? But still, I worry, and I have done since I was a child. While I was preparing this talk, I found myself remembering, recalling a time when I'd allowed anxiety to get the better of me. And I don't look back at it happily now. Maybe 10 or so years ago, I was working with a senior colleague. I had been for three or four years and it had been mostly good. But slowly I began to realize that the way they were behaving I felt was inappropriate. It didn't sit comfortably with my values or the values of the organization that we were working for. Perhaps some of you have been in a similar situation. But I became very anxious. I worried incessantly and obsessively about what I should do. 
I felt loyalty to this colleague because we'd worked well together. But I sweated over what to do. I slept very little for weeks and weeks. I lost a lot of weight. My judgment was impaired. And I, quite frankly, was preoccupied and ill-tempered to live with. It was not a good time. Eventually, I chose to speak out, but then I immediately began worrying about whether I'd done the right thing. It came at great cost to myself, and the relationship with my colleague was never restored. I only recovered my own sense of peace after a weekend retreat with a wise guide to help me hear God in the midst of my angst. What Jesus is telling us here in these few verses is that worry is incompatible with faith and incompatible with common sense. He uses the images, the examples of the birds and the wildflowers to make it clear that it's God that's in charge of the world, not us. When we worry, what we're saying is, I want to be in control. I think I'm in control. Instead of ceding control to God where it belongs and trusting him for the outcome, we think we can do it ourselves. Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. But how often is that really true? Maybe for a moment, you could think of the last time you were worrying about something that was eating away at your mind. Was it actually something you could do anything about? So in my example, I couldn't do anything about the way my senior colleague was behaving. That was out of my control. Worrying myself into ill health achieved absolutely nothing except making me ill and my husband grumpy. The only thing in my control was to decide whether to speak out or not. If I had trusted God more, would I have decided that quicker and saved myself the worry? Did I fail to trust God for the outcome? And that's why worry is also incompatible with common sense. John Stott says, worry doubles trouble. If we think about it, if I spend today worrying about what might happen tomorrow, and then it doesn't happen, well, I've wasted all of that worry, haven't I? And if it does happen, well, then I have to worry twice, today and tomorrow. So I've kind of like doubled my worry time. John Stott, I, lo I love this paragraph, he goes on to sum up Jesus' teaching in this space. He says, to become preoccupied with material things in such a way as they engross our attention, absorb our energy, and burden us with anxiety is distrustful of our Heavenly Father and is, frankly, stupid. It's what the pagans do. Well, that's us told, isn't it? <laughs> so I go back to my earlier question. 
what's a Christian to do then? What are we to do? So Pray Gruschel in his book that we've been reading suggests two things. He says, do what's wise and think on right things. And this is mostly um, from Paul's letter to the Philippians. But firstly, faith is not sitting back and doing nothing. I love the old saying. I couldn't find it anywhere on the internet that anybody actually knew who first said it, but I love it anyway. It says, pray as if everything depended on God and work as if everything depended on you. Pray and work. Because we do have some responsibility for our own lives. As I began by speaking about what Jesus said about choices, we choose how to live. We choose what to do. And doing wise things, doing the wise things, is part of that choice. Proverbs, not, gosh, that's my phone, sorry. How embarrassing. (laughs) Shall we go back to Proverbs? Proverbs 9.12 says, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are wise, you will turn your phone off before the beginning of the service. So wise steps are often small, common sense, consistent with faith and Christian values. They're about doing what I can to resolve the situation. And Paul writes to the Philippians, do not be anxious about everything, anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. God is bigger than all our problems. Do we know that in our hearts? He is bigger than everything. I have a responsibility to do what I can, but what I can't do is God's. Worry is not only distrustful of God, it can be an alarm call in our head to pray. If we find ourselves worrying, we can say to ourselves, now I should pray. Because worry is a thought that is based on fear, not based on faith. Worry is based on fear, not faith. So I've been trying to train my brain to accept this and to lean into the words that Paul wrote to Philippians a verse or two later. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, substitute for your worry to pray about everything and think about light. Think about noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable things. I find this verse, verse, verse 8, is Philippians 4, verse 8, is, can be seen as a tool to shift our thinking from fear to faith, to remind us to trust God. But I and many others, perhaps you, have found this is a long journey, a slow journey to change the habits of a lifetime. 
an author on a fan fiction storyboard that I read wrote this. The thing about worries is that they are rather nubbly. You push down on one bit and another bit surges out somewhere else. They're not solid. They bulge when you try to contain them. And that's what happens, isn't it? It sneaks out in a different corner all the time. And I found myself thinking, do I want this? Do I really want to live my life in a constant state of worry? So this little section that Paul wrote to the Philippians in verses 6 to 8, I think it's really important because it says together, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so because of that, you've presented your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because we present everything to God, because we do not be anxious, the peace of God transcending all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. For me, that's a great promise, matching with those words of Jesus. So my question this morning is, can we take that promise to be our own? Can I choose to do what I can and trust God for everything else? And in choosing not to worry obsessively, not to be so anxious I can't live straight, to choose to claim the peace of God which transcends all understanding. May I pray? Father of all, you created us human in your image. But along the way, we have learned to be obsessively anxious. I pray, Father, that we have heard your words through your Son, Jesus. I pray for your Holy Spirit to transform us into people of faith and not people of worry. And I pray that in that transformation, the peace of your peace that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.